0: Hallelujah. Oh, does that even excite anybody anymore? We shall see the king when he comes. The Bible said he will appear the second time for those who are looking for him. It may be a shock to some people. The Bible speaks about the coming of the Lord as being as a thief in the night. But I don't believe that was in reference to the church of the living God. For those who are born again, I believe if they really believe the word, they're going to have their eyes lifted. Amen. They're going to be looking. Anybody looking tonight for the coming of the Lord? Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, we don't hear a lot of those songs anymore, not the old ones, but about heaven. And uh, I think we probably need to spend a little more time talking about heaven and preaching about heaven. Hey, Amen. I do know that there is another place that I don't want to go to. And if, if you've lived around the Gulf Coast any time and you've had to suffered through some of the heat you ought to be really focused on going to the right place this is nothing compared to what it's going to be like hey Amen. smile at somebody and say i have the holy ghost tonight hey Amen. i'm glad about that praise god and i'd like to take you back to the pra- lord in in prayer we want to lift up sister sarah uh, long they have her at the hospital right now and uh, don't know what the problem is but uh, we certainly want to lift her up in our prayers and ask the lord to be with her right now i believe god's presence is there so let's join together right now in the name of jesus we ask for your healing touch tonight lord We know that nothing takes you by surprise, Lord, so you are well aware of where we are and you know exactly what we are facing. And we are calling upon you tonight, God, to step into that room, lay your hand upon her body, and Lord, let your healing virtue flow into her very being right now in the name of Jesus and by the authority that is in that name we declare it to be so in Jesus' name in Jesus' name in Jesus' name praise God go with me to the book of First Peter chapter 1 I love Wednesday night I hope you do. I believe you do or you wouldn't be here. Uh, it is one of those nights when we get to delve into the word and go a little perhaps uh, deeper than we would uh, have time in other settings. And I am mindful of the time, but I believe the Lord's going to help us. First Peter chapter one, verse one. And Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace upon you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Anybody thankful for that lively hope? Praise God. To an inheritance, everybody say an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away. Amen. You tell me one thing in this world that we live in that's not fading right now. You buy a car. It's not long until it's old and has to be replaced. You buy a washing machine, you buy clothes. doesn't matter what it is. In this world, everything that we have that's part of our life is decaying. But he said, I have given you an inheritance that's incorruptible. And not only is it incorruptible, it is undefiled. You can't dirty it. It's got this seal on it. And he said it fades not away. It just gets better and better and better. And he said it's reserved in heaven for you. That's why I want to make it. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, troubles, trials. That is the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not yet believing you receive with joy unspeakable and are you receive with joy let me go back and start whom having not seen you love in whom though now you see him not Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching water. What manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow? And to whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us did they minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you. With the Holy Ghost, sit down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Everybody say, wherefore. Amen. Wherefore. Remember what it's there for. Wherefore. Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of of jesus christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for i am holy and if you call on the father who without respect of persons Judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, everybody say born again. And oh God, let that happen to us afresh. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. What a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. I want to talk to you about words for the wise. You can be seated. Praise God. The book of 1 Peter is a book that ought to be of interest to all of us here tonight, someone might ask the question why, and I would say to you that the reason that it should have such supreme importance to us is because it was written to remind people who were living in desperate times what they must do to survive those tough times. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. The second and perhaps foremost reason that it should be of interest to us is because it is an epistle of hope. As a matter of fact, Peter was called by many the apostle of hope. The epistle abounds with words of comfort and courage Measured and fitted and tailored to help sustain these early Christians in their life of living for God and to help them maintain their hope. May I remind you tonight as a child of God that hope is something that we do not have to live without. And in this present hour, to me, that is so critically important. The world around me is without hope. Our politicians are without hope. The world systems do not have a solution for the problems that we are facing. But as a child of God, I have hope. Not in this life only, but if it was in this life, I would be miserable just like them. But I have hope that there is a life to come and that my living in this present hour is not in vain, but it is for a divine purpose. And I need to remind all of us tonight just how important it is that in the day in which we live, we know how to maintain our hope and we know where to put our hope because hope is as important to you and I as water is to a fish or as electricity is for a light bulb or as air is to help lift those jumbo jets up into the air. Hope is a basic principle of life that as a child of God, we should be overflowing with because of what we have read in his word. Amen. The interesting thing about Peter's writings is that they are not written to meet a theological need. And by that, I mean, there was not a particular problem within the church that he was writing to that had some kind of spiritual issue going on. Rather, it was written to strengthen men and women in jeopardy of their lives. And men and women who were suffering the greatest of peril. And he wrote to them who were scattered. Everybody say scattered. The scattered. The writings of this letter were to fellow believers that had been dispersed. Throughout the known region, and they were scattered. When I read that last night and yesterday, that word seemed to resonate in my spirit, and it describes the continent in which we live right now. It's scattered, it describes the world in which we live right now. It is scattered. There is no unity. There is no common thread that pulls us all together. We live in an hour, whether it be physical or not, is not the issue. We are living in an emotionally scattered world. And all it takes is for you to look around, listen to a little news, Watch what's happening daily around us and you realize that we are living in desperate times. Paul or Peter in writing, his subject that he chose to dwell on and he spends a significant amount of time in this first letter and in the second letter of writing to them it was a common thread that drew them all together wherever they were. And he names all of these areas of Asia Minor where he was writing to these believers. And many believe that, and I, I am of the opinion that Paul or Peter was writing this letter from Rome. And uh, he was not far from his own death uh and, and his crucifixion and that being upside down because he did not feel worthy but he is writing at this desperate time and he's sending out this letter all over Asia Minor and the common thread that he uses to draw them all together was what they were all experiencing and that was suffering. Everybody say suffering. He was writing to a hurting, suffering people. At least 15 times, Peter refers to their sufferings in these two books. He used eight different Greek words to describe their suffering. That tells me the depth to which these people, who were believers just like you and I, had been uh, taken in life. And it rem- it reminds me that uh, their suffering, their suffering is symbolic of what you and I are going to be called on perhaps to endure as well. And I believe that what we are seeing in the world right now in the culture that we are in It would behoove all of us to become more familiar with the encouraging, lifting words of Peter as he wrote to these scattered believers who were facing all kinds of persecution and trouble. They were being singed at that hour by the flames of persecution and he was riding in this day in which this persecution had broke out over all of Christendom and it was inhumane what was happening many of a lot of it had had been started by nero and i don't know if any of you remember that name from history but nero was the ruler of rome during this particular Time of the New Testament church. Nero was a sadistic, twisted mind that had one thought in mind and that was to elevate himself. Many historians say it was Nero's desire and plan to completely rebuild Rome and if he had opportunity, his influence would go even further than that to rebuild it as a monument to his own skill and ingenuity. And that is what many believe was the root of where the trouble began for these New Testament believers. Many believe that Nero intentionally set Rome on fire. History records that even when people came and tried to put out the fires men would reignite them and nero removed from the city looking down over the city was amused at what he saw as that town burned and so the populace of of the people began to look around and they realized that's 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 one of nero's men that's another that's nero's work right there And so they began to blame Nero for this intentional burning of their city. And in a way to deflect the guilt from himself, he pointed out a group of people that were already on the despised list and that was the Christian. And he made them the point of his fury. And by redirecting their attention and by the perversion of the news and by the twisting of facts, Nero blamed the New Testament church and he blamed these early Christians because they were divisive. You know, they preached doctrines that divided families and they had these cultish uh, uh, uh uh, uh, events like the lord's supper and 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 the love feast and they took everything that the church did it was part of their being who they were their function as a church and they twisted those things to make it look like something that it was not and he turned the populace of the people against these early Christians. And he himself began to delight his own sadistic mind by torturing these early Christians. He would put them ablaze, he would set them ablaze and put them out in his gardens so that from his elevated view, he can look out and all of his garden would be lit up at night It was lit up by the bodies of these early New Testament believers. He would tie these animal skins around them and then he would set his ravenous dogs out against them and they would pursue them until they caught them and then they would tear them limb by limb. And Nero smiled and he applauded himself for being able to deflect the guilt of the burning to these innocent, godly people. That's what had just happened when Peter sat down to write this letter to the New Testament church. That is the setting, that's the background that you need to understand. And when Peter took up the pen, he didn't write about the woes of the church. He didn't write about how bad things were and they were getting worse. Whatever had happened to the New Testament church, it was his purpose and his ministry to try to lift their head up and remind them of who they were and remind them of what Nero could never take away from them. Nero may burn your body, but he cannot take your life. He cannot take your soul. Those things have been submitted and secured in my hand and he cannot take away those things. And so whatever the church did back then, it was perverted and twisted and misinterpreted so that they could pour out their vile anger and hatred toward them. And Peter's writing in that atmosphere. He's writing in this bleakest of circumstance. But this is what I love about when you read it, and I hope that you'll go home and with that knowledge of the background of First Peter and Second Peter, you'll read it again, understanding what's already gone on and what is yet to come, because the the the, the ultimate fury that would be poured out on the New Testament believer had not come just yet. And when you listen to what Peter says, he does not try to pump them up with positive thinking. Instead, he endeavors to focus their attention on the things that mattered. And I believe that in the hour in which we live, it is critical, church, listen to me tonight. It is critical that as a New Testament church, we not lose sight of what really matters in this world. And I want to tell you, and I said it Sunday and I'm going to say it again. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more that the haters of the church and the haters of the of the faith that we have in the lord they are going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to use any means available to them to disparage what you and i hold dear now listen to me I don't want to spend all my time fighting that off. What I'd rather do is spend my time focused on what really matters. And what really matters is that God has me in his hand and there is nothing that man can do unto me that will last. Amen. Praise God. And so he lifted up their head. Instead of endeavoring to tell them what all was wrong, he said, I want to tell you what's right about your salvation. And he lifted up their head toward heavens. And he said, hey, let me remind you, this is what it's really about. It's not this, it's this. And I have, when, when I started looking at this portion of scripture and it's it's kind of been one of those things that just evolved as I have considered the day in which we've lived, we're living in right now. I feel like that's perhaps the reason God has sent me here tonight. And that's what he wants to do to this church. He wants to lift our head up. He wants to put his hand under our chin and lift, say, hey, I just want to remind you what this is really all about. This is about heaven this is about your eternity and you need to keep your mind focused on those things amen some people have accused the church of being too heavenly minded to be any earthly good i would say that in the day in which we live the opposite of that is true we are too earthly minded and we have lost heaven's view And I would pray that God would somehow help us to lift up our head tonight and remind us of what this is really all about. That we are not in a losing battle. We're not on the losing side. I don't care what it may look like at the moment. Whatever the world does to me will not be the final act. Whatever the world does to you will not be the final word. God said, I have the final word over your life and that's what you need to keep your mind and your eyes focused on. He wanted to put their pain in perspective and I believe that's what the spirit of God would like to do for us tonight, to put our pain in perspective. There's no denying that we live in hurting times. There's no denying that people are hurting. There's no denying that people are suffering. There's no denying that people have done wrong. There's no denying that people have lied about us. There's no denying that people have written things that are not true about us. But I want to tell you tonight that the Spirit of God wants to lift our head up and remind us Of what we have been called to. We have been called to glory. We have been called to glory. Not the gruesome. Not the gritty. Not the dirty. But we have been called to glory. You know I believe there's a spiritual gift that has been lost in our world. And I would to God that we could find it. You know what that spiritual gift is? Keeping your mouth shut. (laughs) Can I preach a little bit? The world doesn't need to know my opinion about everything. I don't have to express an opinion about everything. I am shocked, I'm not, you know this, I'm not on Facebook, but I do get calls and I do hear what people post on Facebook and that kind of thing. And I'm not talking about what's going on with what I mentioned Sunday, but I'm just talking about other things that are going on in the church. I've never seen an hour when there's been a greater attack against the church. Undermining the confidence that people have in the church or in the ministry or in the work of God. And what's amazing to me is we're, 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 we're making Madeline O'Hare a prophet. Madeline O'Hare said that Christians are the only species that she knew of that devoured their wounded. You know what? When somebody's down, don't take opportunity to kick them. Just think about it. If this was you, what would you want somebody to do? Express their opinion about why you're where you are or put out a hand and help lift you back up on your feet? Which would we rather be? People who lift are people who tear down and I am encouraging this church that we become more diligent about the things that we are so free to express and what I'm seeing in this world and in the culture that we live in right now is an opportunity for somebody to grind an axe that they've had in their closet for 50 years or 20 years and you know what? It's not axe grinding time, folks. It's heaven looking time. It's a reminder that there are some things that are more important than the pain that I'm going through right now. And that is keeping my perspective. You know, it's amazing what can happen when you and I lose perspective. And listen to me, in our own righteous indignation or in our own righteous fervor we can step over lines that we don't have any authority to step over. That's why we should be most careful that we are guarded in all of the giving of our opinion. Amen. I want sometimes to just get on somebody else's facebook page and put stupid 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 <laughs> but my wife said you can't do that and i'm not even supposed to use that word but it's shocking at what happens in our culture and so but but you know what this is going on back then they didn't have the internet they didn't have Facebook and all that other kind of social media stuff to deal with. But they still had human nature. And this is one thing I've learned about human nature. It doesn't matter if it's the 1940s or 1842. Human nature is human nature. And human nature apart from the sanctifying touch of the almighty God can be the most brutal, ugly thing in, in the world. Amen. So Paul or Peter wanted to put their pain in perspective and help them find hope beyond their suffering. He reminds them they're chosen. Aren't you thankful that you're chosen tonight? Amen. He reminds them that they're chosen. He, 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 re, he wanted them to remember whose they are. And I think it behooves us that every day we get up we ought to look in the mirror and remind ourselves of who we are. I'm a child of God. I'm going to act like a child of God. I'm going to talk like a child of God. I'm going to live like a child of God. I'm going to love like a child of God. He reminded them that they were on a journey and you must never lose sight of where that journey is to it is from earth to glory and we need to keep that foremost in our mind you know what somebody said years ago and I I wrote it down and it's always been one of my favorite quotes is that to a friend's house the road is never long how many of you know that's true You you got a trip planned, you're going to Aunt Sue's or you're going to Uncle Billy's or you're going to Disney World or whatever. Amen. That's a long way. How many miles? Over a 1,000 miles? About 1,100, 1,200 miles? That's a long way, folks. But we don't think about, well, I know people fly, but even that, you've got to live through the tortures of an airport. Sometimes it's just better just to drive. At least then you only have to put up yourself. You don't have to put up with all the other nonsense. But that's a long way. But we don't think about that. We're excited about the destination. We're excited because of where we're going. We're pumped up because I'm going to Gatlinburg. I'm going to New York City. And it doesn't matter how long the trip is, we find a joy in knowing where we're going. And listen to me tonight, Greater Life Church, if we ever lose sight of that, this world can become a miserable place to live. He said, if you have hope in this life only, you are of all men most miserable. The journey that we're on tonight is taking us home. So the point that Peter was trying to make is, I'm not belittling what you're going through, but listen to me, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. The more difficult life becomes, the better heaven looks to me. Amen. Amen. I said the more difficult life becomes, the better heaven looks to me. He also reminded them that they were protected by the power of God. Now, that's an interesting term. It meant garrison. It spoke about a military surrounding a city and, and, and taking care of it. He. This is what he wanted us to to remember, that God's protection does not save us from troubles, but it keeps us in troubles. And sometimes that's where people get lost and confused because they thought, well, God, I didn't think, I I thought you were going to say, I thought you were my protector. He, He said, I am your protector. I am your protector. You just walk right on through that fire and watch what happens. You go right on into that lion's den and see what happens. You just keep walking with me. And it doesn't matter where those steps may take you as you go through this journey toward home. But wherever your steps take you, he said, I'm going to be there and I'm going to keep the fire from burning you. I'm going to keep the lion from eating you. I'm going to keep the trouble from devouring you. I got to hurry. Peter is testifying to the strength and power of your faith. When we remember this, we find purpose in the scattering and purpose in the suffering and purpose in the sadness of our life. No matter what happens to us in this life, it is not the final chapter. Amen. Hope is a wonderful gift, folks. And he, Paul, Peter talks about this several times in, in the first portion of this opening chapter. Three times he uses that word hope. It's a source of strength and courage in the face of life's harshest trials. Hope is the great characteristic of the New Testament church. And when we're trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope is what points to the light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Amen. When we are exhausted and troubled, hope is what gives us fresh energy to get up and go on. When we're discouraged... Hope is what lifts our spirit and said, hey, you're going to make it. When we lose our way and confusion blurs our destination, it is hope that keeps panic away and reminds us, hey, you're on your way to glory. You're on your way to glory. I didn't know going to glory would be this gory, but the way to the resurrection led through A crucifixion we struggle with things that desire to cripple us but hope helps us persevere through the pain of the moment we fear the worst but hope reminds us that God is still in control hope is what fuels my recovery when I stumble in life it is hope that reminds me that I still have a future and that future is secure with God Hope is what gives me the patience to wait. Wait, wait. And it is the verdict of the moment that is not the final verdict. But his word says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of life. Praise God. When life hurts and our dreams fade there is nothing that will help us like hope and that's what Peter was trying to keep alive in that New Testament church was their hope. He was trying to remind them how vital it was and how powerful it was and he reminded them that hope is not an option to you as a child of God. It is a necessity and it is a Essential to your survival and mine, and because we live in hope, we can endure We can endure the struggles and all of the effort and the toil. When we endure, we endure because we know that it 's leading us somewhere it 's not without purpose. You know, pain would be terrible if there was no purpose to the pain. A mother having childbirth pains. I don't know anything about that. I've never gave birth to a child, but I've watched my wife and I know that if there's anything that pushed her to the edge, childbirth pushed her to the edge, she was telling me uh, very carefully that I was annoying her at that particular moment. <laughs> now, I'm not the only one that's been told that because I'd been through Lamaze class and I'd gone, I knew all about this. When this, when this pain hits, you go... <laughs> And when that pain hits, you go. And here I am trying to be the good encourager that I wanted to be for my wife. And she looked at me and she said, would you please stop? That's what pain can do for you. But she didn't give up there because she knew what was beyond the pain. And the Bible says that a woman goes through these birthing pains And as soon as the child is born, the Bible says she forgets those pains. Why? Because of what has come. And that's what Peter was trying to help the church understand. I know you're going through some hard things. As a matter of fact, Peter was about to be crucified himself. He wasn't exempt from these pressures and this crucifixion mentality and this persecution mentality that was in the world. But he said, hey folks, I got news for you. There's nothing they can do to you that's final. That ought to excite you more than anything. There's nothing that can happen to you as a child of God in this world that's final. There's going to be a resurrection. And when we endure, because we know that, we can keep going. Amen. Peter tells them why they can stand anything they may face. And he tells it very clearly. He said, you can stand anything because of what you're able to look forward to. He said, you can stand anything when you understand that every trial has a purpose. It's a test. And gold has to be tested to be proven that it's pure. And the fire is what tests it. He talks about the many Colored flames of trials. The word is variegated, that's used in the Greek, and it means multicolored, are coming from multiple places. These trials are multicolored. He said, however, there's only one other time that word variegated is used in scripture and it's used in relationship to grace. So for every variegated trial, God gives me a multicolored grace that's better, greater, and stronger than what I'm going through. There is a grace to match every trial and no trial will ever come without its grace. We can stand anything because at the end of it all, we can hear him say, "Well done." Yeah. So let me get on to the real stuff, and I'm going to close here. Well, I'm already out of time. There, are, there are some things that Paul mentions or Peter mentions in the thirteenth verse. Could you throw that verse up there real quick, and I'm going to wrap it up. Here's wisdom for the day he said if you're going to be an overcomer and you're going to face these pressures and problems of this hour here's my admonition he said wherefore in light of what I've just said wherefore gird up the loins of your mind that statement alone is very deliberate it was very vivid it indicated uh It was a word, I should say, that was connected to their understanding of the dress of that day. Men wore these long robes and they they were very cumbersome if somebody had to move quickly. But every one of them had a belt that they would utilize and they would literally tie up that robe so it did not encumber them in their moving forward. And that's that's the word that Peter used to describe how we have to get a hold of our mind and our thinking and we have to draw the reins in and said, Oh no, you're not going down that road, you're not going down that avenue, you're not biting on that bait. Do you understand that people are fishing? They put things out there to get a reaction. Oh God, the gift that just doesn't say anything. Gird up the loins of your mind. Peter's telling these New Testament believers that you need to be ready. You need to be ready Get your mind on go. Where am I going? I'm going to heaven. I'm not going through another trial. I may be in a trial, but that's not where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to see my Lord. I'm going to that beautiful place that he has promised me. It is my goal. Gird up the loins. Get your minds in gear. No time for this loose thinking. Negative thinking. You know what? People can get you down. Issues can get you down. Problems can get you down. But somewhere you got to get a hold of a word that lifts you up. And that word that lifts me up is what Paul said, gird up the loin, grab those reins and say, hey boy, we're not going that direction today. We're not allowing that to come into our mind. Don't be afraid of those things that challenge your faith. Your faith is strong enough to take it. Amen. Number two, he said, be sober. Everybody say be sober. sober. Be sober. Very interesting. Very powerful statement. It has two meanings. One of them we understand. Don't be intoxicated with drink so that you're incapable of functioning. But it also refers to being intoxicated by thoughts or problems. So inebriated by issues that you can't keep your footing. You can't stand aright. You can't stand up. You cannot face life. He said, you need to get a grip on your mind and draw those reins in. But he said, you also need to be sober, balanced in your judgment. Anybody ever been around a drunk person? I don't know that I've ever been around anybody that talks more than a drunk they babble about everything, things they know and things they don 't know they don 't know when to shut up. Paul said, or Peter's saying to the New Testament church, he said, "You need to get a rein on your mind and you need to also get a rein on your attitude and your spirit and your thinking, and keep those judgments in balance. Be careful about extremes don't become intoxicated with thoughts." new crazes, new fashions, new customs. He said, you need to be calm and collected. I like that. The harder the wind blows, the more steadfast I want to set my face toward him. Amen. Number three, he said, set your hopes on the grace which is going to be given them when Jesus comes the last thing I want to remind you of in the hour in which we live is that we must never lose our heaven-mindedness. It ought to occupy our thoughts on a daily basis. At least somewhere in our day, there ought to come through our mind, I'm going somewhere. I'm almost home. This road I've been traveling has had so many twists and turns and ups and downs and, and bumps and, and hiccups and, and potholes and accidents and all. I'm so thankful that I'm almost home. Amen. I'm almost home. That's the most exciting thing that I know of tonight is that we're almost home. Listen to me, church. The world that we're living in is not our focus. It's where we're going. Amen. It's where we're going. It is that hope that enables us to endure, to persevere, to face the problems, to struggle on. When we know that all of this is leading somewhere, amen, it's taking me somewhere. Let's stand together. The best... Folks, is yet to come. I don't know how many of you really believe that tonight, but you need to start saying it over your life. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And when we can somehow capture that mindset and that attitude, We can learn to live with grace and gratitude for where we are, where we've come from, but most importantly, where we're going. Heaven. Amen. Praise God. I'm going up yonder, folks, to see my Lord. If anybody asks you where I'm going, if anybody asks you Where I'm going, tell him I'm going home. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord and let's give him praise. The old songwriter said, build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Another songwriter said, I have hope when trouble comes my way. I have hope since Jesus came to stay. I have hope, oh yes, when things are not well with me, I have hope. It's a beautiful hope and it sets me free. Praise God. Can you imagine what it must have been like for all of those perpetrators of hate to look into that burning furnace was designed to burn up those foolish Hebrew boys and all they saw was Amen. Amen. That's what your promise is. That the fire will not get to you. Amen. It will not get to you. That is our hope tonight, is that however it, however hot it gets, it won't reach me. Amen. It won't reach me. Why? Because God has a promise for me that this world is not my home and it's not my end. I'm just passing through. Amen. We need to get our heads back in a heavenly direction we need to look up and realize that our redemption's drawing nigh. Look around you, yes, and look at the signs. They're prevalent everywhere. But when you get through looking around, don't forget to look up. That's the most important thing. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your presence and thank you, Lord, for your word. I know that I have been inadequate Lord tonight to express the word that I have felt in my heart but I pray that you have taken the word and you have anointed it to our hearts and you will Lord remind us over and over and over in the next few days uh, that we are on our way to glory and we must not be distracted by the things that are happening around us and to us and in this moment, Lord, they will not have the final say. I'm thankful that you have the final say and I'm gonna rejoice in that and I'm gonna shout the victory. Amen. I'm going home, folks. I said I'm going home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a friend like Jesus? Let's clap our hands to him right now. Praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. God bless you tonight. Make sure you greet two or three. And if you don't know somebody, introduce yourself to them and welcome them to Greater Life Church. We'll look forward to seeing you this weekend. I would ask you to be in prayer for myself Friday, I have got to go in for another knee surgery. So please be prayerful. Y'all are gonna have a great weekend. And I know God's gonna do great things here at Greater Life Church. Amen.